0: I want to do a series on the light of Christmas, and of course, it's just, it's, it's a theme. I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, we don't really know when Jesus was born. Every time I share that with people, people kind of look at me funny and, really? Like, I, I was sure that someone wrote it down as December the 25th, and that's just when we decided to celebrate it. All right. So um, this wouldn't be that uncommon. In fact, uh, uh, the 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 right Reverend uh, Brighton Kowamba would tell you that he doesn't know exactly when his father was born. Right? We 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 buried your father not too long ago, but we don't know exactly when he was born. Rural Malawi. It was just in the fall sometime. Right? And uh, so, two thousand years ago, it's not uncommon that uh, a a, an, an unknown villager from a small village, um, we would have no record of when uh, Jesus, Yeshua, from the village of Nazareth would have been born. That's not uncommon. And so um, scholars think it was probably in the spring sometime, but they don't know. Isn't that interesting? But it was placed very strategically when we decided to celebrate it at a very important time. It was placed towards the end of December towards the winter solstice, towards the the time when it's darkest. How many are like me, like it's one thing that it gets cold. It's another thing that it's dark. It's just, isn't that just, ah, oh, it doesn't just mess with you. It's like, I get up and it's dark. I'm driving home from work and it's dark. Doesn't it wear on you after a while? you just like, I just need to see the light. And, 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 and this is not a small thing. This has been going on for hundreds and thousands of years. And people didn't have the ability to go home and just turn on all the lights. Uh, I was reading somewhere this week that, you know, it wasn't until the 1800s that an average person could afford a candle. So we just assume a lot. But if you go back in time, it's not just that the darkness is a little bit depressing to us. It's kind of a downer. It was flat-out dangerous for people. And you, you would try to quickly go from one place to another. If you were fortunate, you might have, in biblical times, like a, a, um, a pottery hand lamp with a little wick and some oil. Maybe if you were a super wealthy person, you could have a bunch of torches, you know, lit around your house and some servants to keep them going. But that was was for the rare exception. Darkness was a real problem. It was a safety problem. And darkness has been, has been seen for a long time as a symbol of that which is evil, that which is uh, broken, and the light has been seen for a long time as that which counters the darkness. So if I can, I want to start, I want to read from the Gospel of John, and this is John's take. As I said, I'm going to do a whole Wednesday night series on how the different Gospels approach the Christmas story. Um, One chose not to approach it at all, but you'll learn about that. John's Gospel, John chapter 1, he says this, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. In weeks like this, you know, our, our community broadly here in the detroit metro area of course has been unbelievably rocked by what happened in oxford and there are there are times when these things come closer to home to us that we feel like the darkness is winning people make comments all the time It's just getting so bad. It's just getting worse and worse. And you've you've had the conversations. You've probably even said it yourself. And it feels like there are times when it feels like the darkness is going to overcome the light. But I love this from John's gospel. And John is going to portray Jesus as the light of the world. In fact, in the 8th chapter, Jesus says, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. So we're going to look at Jesus, and he provides something that shines through the darkness and gives us hope that the darkness is not going to win. But he starts off by saying, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. It can be pitch black in a room. And the minute you light the smallest candle, the light wins. If you think about it, darkness isn't really a power itself, but darkness is really the absence of light. Just when there is no light. It can't overcome it. The light immediately wins. This, by the way, is a theme throughout the, entire scriptures. How does the Bible begin? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty or void, and darkness was over. This, right at the beginning, it's darkness. Right at the beginning, this is a story about darkness and what we're going to do about it, which is what I want to title the message today, What to Do About the Darkness. What do we do about the darkness? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, it says. And then God said, let there be what? Light. Let's say it together. Ready? Let there be light. One more time. Let there be light. There's darkness. And God says, let there be light. What does God do about the darkness? He brings light. Light. If you go to the very end, Revelation, if you go to the very end, in Revelation 21, it says this. It's talking about this new Jerusalem, this new city. It kind of, it, it's it's taking what happened in the garden and reworking it all and making it all brand new. And it says this new city, this new dwelling of God, does not need the sun or the moon. He just creates it. And now at the end, he says, I don't even need that. For the glory of God gives it what light. And then he goes on and he says, and the lamb is its what? Lamp. Christ is the lamp, provides the light. And in the next chapter, the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22, it says this, there will be no more night. Huh? They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun Right? For the Lord God himself will give them light. The beginning and the end. The whole thing is about what? Light overcoming the darkness. So I want to talk about what do we do about the darkness? And the first thing I want to say is this. And by the way, um, I, I think I'm certainly going to talk about because it's so close to home, the, the, the things that happened in Oxford this week, because I believe it it reminds people, people think about this. Look, what is going on with the darkness? I want to talk about what to do about the darkness. And so partly what I want to talk about is how we can talk about this with other people. Um, we've had so many different students uh, that are dealing with this and now afraid to go to school and uh, how do we talk to our kids about this? Very important question. First thing I would say is this. Don't deny the darkness. I mean, when a kid gets to the right age, you've got to tell them how it really is in the world when they get to the right age. They have to know. You can't deny that there's darkness. And you and I would wish you could just wish it away, but the reality is we live, and this is what I always tell people we live in a beautiful but broken world. That'll help a little bit. It's not all bad. Of course not. Most people are good. Most things are good, but there is brokenness in our world. And at some point, they have to learn that. Now, right now, we're trying to mostly teach Charlie at two years old it's all good. It's all good. And eventually she starts to see some other things, you know, and um, she watches little videos on the iPad when we're getting ready and, you know, we're trying to be good parents. We're trying. Give us mercy, right? But every once in a while you're just like, could you just watch this iPad for a minute because anybody? All right. Okay. So you're trying to monitor it and and, and they feed them the next videos, right? And so you try to get the right channels and the protections. Anybody with me? Like you're trying to do, I'm trying to do a good job. Please be nice. And, uh, but they, they, start to get the, they start to get things and you're like, so we have this saying with her, are you watching happy? Are you watching happy? Don't watch scary, watch happy, right? And so now, when she wants to watch videos, what she says, daddy, I want to watch, I want to watch happy, right? It's just, it's not cute, it's manipulation, but anyway, <laughs> I thank you for the, it's just, <laughs> I want to watch happy. And, but you're trying that you start with it's, it's beautiful, and it is beautiful. The world that we live in is beautiful, and people are beautiful, and people were made in the image of God, and we cannot forget that. We have to start with good, because that's how it starts. It's good. God made you, and it's so good. And there's brokenness. And so when they get to the right age, you have to explain this somehow to them. That people get free will. People choose sometimes the wrong things. By the way, maybe just another little aside here. Um, And I don't mean to be preachy or anything like that or kind of sound old school. I'm really trying, but, but... The more secular our culture becomes, and it is becoming secular rapidly. Listen, just listen. The more secular our culture becomes, the less connected kids are to old, and I'll say it, old-fashioned morals. This is right and wrong. This is dark and light. And I know it's very hip today to be away from God and away from church and, oh, that's all passe and that's so stupid and old. And But, you know, there's... And, and the church has not been perfect. If you've been around Orchard Grove, you know that I have no problem critiquing the church. And Jesus had no problem critiquing the religion in his day. It's not to make you a bad person. you got to eat the fish and spit out the bones. But the problem, people are just throwing the whole fish away. And now, listen... Now their kids are growing up far away from this is light and this is dark. This is right and this is not right. And we're pushing them to succeed, pushing them to win. We're pushing them to make money. We're pushing them to do all this stuff, but we are not pushing them. This is right and this is wrong. There's a scripture that says if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. There's something about the law of unintended consequences that our culture might need to wake up to. It's not just blatant atheism either, it's what I call casual Christianity. You throw it in the backseat, you know, everybody wants Jesus in the backseat in case things go wrong. I mean, who doesn't want God in the trunk? You know what I mean? You can pull him out for emergencies like a genie. Yeah, this went off the rails. Bring him in. But you don't want God anywhere near the steering wheel because that's too much control. How many control freaks do we have out there? Right? Because you're handing over too much. So what's going on in our culture is it's not a lot of blatant atheism right now. It's casual atheism. It's unspoken atheism. It's, ready? Monday through Friday, practical atheism. For all practical purposes, God might, might as well not exist because pretty much you're driving. Pretty much it's your show. And, oh, it is Christmas. Maybe we should bring the kids to church. And we wonder, why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? They aren't exposed to the light. I'm, I'm not trying to be preachy and old-fashioned. I'm just throwing out something that you might want to just kick around. And, and, and I get it. I get it. I mean, it's not the most exciting in video games. And, but we all make decisions like that every single day, don't we, to, to, to force them to put the video game down? I mean, there was a trend where it was all about making church cool and hip, and you know, and I went through that, and I tried. And I, But you know, I'm, I'm kind of past that, to be honest with you. I'm just past it just sit there and be bored out of your gourd and just color on the ground and just let it absorb. Who grew up that way? Like, I don't care if you're bored. Anybody grow up this way? I'm getting old school a little bit today, aren't I? But anyway, I'm not tr- But I mean, who grew up that way? It's like, I don't, I don't care if you're bored. And so we went through this trend, like, oh, we should make sure they're not bored. And, and by the way, I, they do. Our kids' world is awesome. They provide some incredible stuff for the kids. They do. But, but part of me... It's just, like, too bad. But 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 we do that with food. You know, the, the other day, like, I'm trying to get Charlie to eat fruit. She will not eat fruit. So I literally took a waffle, lathered it in syrup, snuck a blueberry on the inside, right, and shoved it in her mouth, right? And then when she was done eating, I go, guess what you just ate? <laughs> but who's ever done this? You just... At some point, you put your foot down, you're like, no. By the way, you ladies, please, with the cookies last night, please. Charlie walked around. I mean, she was, well, Charlie, would you like a piece of cake? What? There, were, there were 40 tables here all offering her cake. Thank you. We had such a good night. You know, but but who's ever done this? You just you get to a point and you go, no, no, you're not going to do that. No, you're not going to eat that. And there's nothing in them that says, oh, thank you, this is wonderful. You just you just say, I don't care. Who's who's done it? Put your hand up. Like, but you know, it's, it's like we've given up our culture. Not not you. You're wonderful. But our culture has given up because oh, the kids don't like it. So you. You have to think about this. So I'm not going to educate them in the ways of God because they don't like it? What kid has ever asked you for a carrot smoothie? <laughs> Please, more carrots. Just think about it. Light and darkness. I'm not up here preaching like, oh, I know the answer as to why things are happening. But somebody needs to ask some questions. I, I probably have worn this example out, but I can walk you right over here to two people who grew up in Malawi. This stuff isn't happening there. Oh, wait a minute, by the way. I'll take you to a rural part of Malawi. Most of you don't have a clue where Malawi is, by the way, let alone the place inside of Malawi where I would take you. Is that somewhere in Africa? Yes. People say, oh, we should send, like, missionaries over there. Can I explain something to you? (laughs) Inside a remote part of Malawi, a country most of you had no idea how to even find on a map, let alone the part I would describe to you, Inside there, I go to meetings, there are 30 different Christian denominations represented in a rural part of Malawi. 30 types of Christianity. Where they tend to invite Jesus in the front seat instead of the trunk. I'm just saying. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. You do. We got to bring the light out of the trunk, you know. I'm not saying there aren't people that do bad things in other countries, of course. But if you would think there would be one place on the planet where, boy, all the privilege, all the wonderful things, all the money, all the resources, where everybody would just finally be at peace, we're pushing spiritual poverty. We don't call it that. We don't call it that. We're shoving spiritual poverty onto a generation, we're literally just shoveling it to them. I don't care if people. I don't care if they come to church and they ask tough questions. Good. Ask tougher questions. Ask a tougher. Good. Good. Keep digging and digging and digging until you get to the truth. Because if you keep digging, you'll find it. But instead, what we've done is say, "Well, I know it can be a little bit boring." So watch video games. Gosh, I sound old-fashioned. We, but every once in a while, you just have to stop and think. Christmas was placed here because in a time of darkness, they needed light. They needed hope. And we today, our culture, our generation needs the light. We need something brighter. We, we need something beyond us. I mean, don't you need, you know, I always tell people when I do weddings, I mean, I always say this at some point in this ceremony, almost every time I said, you know, you need to live for something bigger than yourself. I'm usually looking at the guy. Because guys, you know, think they know everything. I got it, pastor. You know, the, the girls are like, their eyes are wide open. And yes, pastor, what do I, the guy's like, I got it. I mean, you're pretty much just standing here. I pretty much got this. So I kind of lean towards the guys, and they're like, you know, you need to live for something bigger than you. Because a lot of people don't. At the end of the day, they're just living for themselves. And that runs out of steam. I think the other thing I would tell students when they're at the right age is we can be a part of the solution in matthew's gospel it says you are the light of the world you are you can curse the darkness all you want and i know that's very popular everybody's talking about how bad the dark and when we talk about the darkness by the way what are we talking about the darkness that's where over there Where's the darkness? Always. Over where? There somewhere. The darkness is always over there, those people. Somehow in the scripture, we were supposed to get this. We were supposed to pay attention to the darkness that found its way in where? Here. This. Oh, no, 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 it's not. It's just, this is pure I mean, this is solid, I know. But the reality is what we were supposed to see. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I started with this, that God made you in his image, but there's, there's a propensity for the darkness to seep in. One person probably said it the best. He said, "You know, the line between good and evil isn't drawn between countries, or isn't drawn between cities, or religions, or ethnicities. The line between good and evil is drawn through our own hearts." Let's just be honest. We all have the propensity for a little bit of darkness. I have all day. Just take one hand. I mean, we all have the propensity. Who's ever done it? All of a sudden you find yourself saying a bunch of things and you're like, wow. It's easy to pay attention to the darkness that's over there. It's a lot harder to pay attention to the stuff that's in here. And so part of it is we all accept responsibility for whatever role we play in perpetuating it. And this is the key. This is what makes the cross the game changer you know that you know the cross is the game changer right you, you know that so what happens at the cross is the darkness is thrust upon Christ but he refuses to pass it on he receives it but doesn't pass it on you know we have a saying in our culture and I think it sticks for a reason hurt people hurt people is this true Hurt people, hurt people. When people are hurting others, it's usually they're hurting themselves. Someone's hurt them, and now they are passing it on. Hurt people, hurt people. But Jesus refuses to hurt people. He receives it, but he doesn't pass it on. He won't. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Maybe one of the greatest spiritual insights ever uttered from the cross Father, forgive them. Do people know what they're doing when they're doing evil? I don't know. They say, well, of course they do, Chris. I'm, I mean, I know, I know you're an expert, but, but do they know? I don't know, but I do know that we have a pattern. I, I do know when, when someone cuts me off in traffic, my blood pressure rises. I, I know that. I know when someone says something nasty to me that I got something to say real quick back in my head and I just pray to God it doesn't come out my mouth because I'm a pastor. Is anybody with me? (laughs) But does it, no, do words come to your mind immediately when someone says, yes, they do. So when you get hurt, you're ready to pass it on. You're ready. And it just perpetuates the darkness. And so Jesus came, he broke the cycle of darkness. I'm not going to pass it on. No. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. By the way, speaking of an increasingly secular culture, I love the fact, you know, light and darkness is good because it gives us fresher words, more transcendent words. I mean, there are, there are words, and they, and they have a lot of meaning to them, like sin and all of that. And it's not, I'm afraid to use that word. I'm not, because, I mean, it's a very... But, but if other people, they just shut it down, they, they, they can grasp light and darkness. They grasp these concepts. Like, things that happen are dark, and we need light. So, this season is all about looking to the light. Getting in the light. When you step into the light, it's like an x-ray. First of all, it's for you. God, just push the shadows and the darkness out of me. And we then take our place to reflect God's light into a broken world. Because just as darkness perpetuates, so goodness does. Have you ever lifted somebody up or someone lifted you up with some kind words or some encouragement and you felt a little better that day? You had a good afternoon. Your boss comes along, your buddy comes along, says something to you. You just felt a little taller. Are you more inclined to tip? Are you more inclined to let someone pass? Yes, because goodness perpetuates Last night, it, you know, in the middle, middle of the night, Charlie woke up just screaming, just, just just screaming. And I got sprinting to you know pick her up, and she had been crying for a while, and I didn't realize I felt terrible. Oh, the guilt, anybody? Oh, the guilt, I'm such a bad dad. She's sobbing and just shaking, and what's wrong, honey, what's wrong? She goes, I'm scared it's the dark. I'm scared of the dark. That's universal. It starts that young. There's a reason that this has been a part of this story for a long, long time. But darkness is not more powerful than the light. The darkness never wins, good wins in the end. And so here's what I would say just do what you can to be a part of the solution. First look here. Make sure you aren't perpetuating the story. In whatever way you can, try not to pass it on. Be honest and real that all the darkness is not over there. And wherever you can, find yourself shining a light. Isn't it funny how, have you ever come across a person that just had a great smile and you just felt a little better because of the way they smiled at you? Well, that doesn't matter. The smile's not going to change the world. Are, are you sure? I mean, you, you just come up to somebody and you, you light them up a little bit. Don't you think they might just light up somebody else? Light has a way of perpetuating And so, when Jesus says you are the light of the world, don't don't discount the little things that you do, the small things that you do that can have a lot of power. And in the end, I don't know, but I do know when you get to the end, it says there are these trees in this new city, this new Jerusalem, and they they have leaves on them, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. I I, I don't understand how God can heal it all because, uh, to be honest with you, I'm just, I'm at a human level. I don't get it. I, I don't understand. I I couldn't imagine being one of those families. But I got to trust that somehow God's going to bring healing in the end. That's all I know how to say about